0: if you've got a passion for pumpkin, you've got to get to Dunkin' and pick these up. Our new Pumpkin Cream Cold Brew. Smooth, bold cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam. And our delicious pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. And our perfectly pumpkin donuts, munchkins treats, pumpkin muffins, and more. That's how we pumpkin at Dunkin'. Pick your pumpkin at Dunkin' like our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Pumpkin spice signature latte. And our perfectly pumpkin treats. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply.
1: Cracking the code on how you can drive business results and customer connection. Equipping you to acquire, engage, and retain customers, inspiring lasting loyalty across mobile, web, apps, and more. Welcome to Mobile Presence. Hosted by analyst, author, and top 30 mobile marketing influencer, Peggy and Solis.
0: Thank you, Ricky, and welcome to Mobile Presence, and it is episode 375. I'm your host, Peggy Saltz from Mobile Groove, and this, of course, is the show, the destination where we delve into the trends, the developments, the cool stuff marketers need to know to engage and retain their audiences. Of course, it's all about using tools and tech to make marketing more effective, but it's also about making it more human. And that's a hot topic today as we look at marketing automation and how the future marketer will create, maybe even co-create with AI and robotics. It's an exciting scenario and um, one that I'm excited to explore today with our guest. He is Byron Reese, publisher and CEO of GigaOM, but more importantly for us, the author of The Fourth Age. So, Byron, thank you so much for joining me today on Mobile Presence. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you for having me.
0: So um, full disclosure, I have a copy of the book, um, which makes me sort of a fan. You know, I'm waiting for the t-shirt. I have an autographed copy here. Um, So that's... I've I've read it. I've taken a look at it. We're going to explore that. But we also want to take a step back for our audience. You know, you've spent your life in technology. I'm reading it. Founder of several companies, patents in psychographics, which is ultimately cool. Published author of not just this book, but others. So um, I want to understand you know you are bringing balance to a pretty heated discussion is that what you set out to do is this the next step in the continuum of your own career byron
2: well what i set out to do was actually answer a question that i was asking myself which is you know it it struck me that so many different people have such different views on artificial intelligence like you have a group of people like Elon Musk and the late Stephen Hawking who are who are afraid of the technology, who say, you know, it yep. poses an existential threat. And then you have other people also in the tech world who think that's just crazy talk. And really what I wanted to know was why how do the how do people like that come to such radically different conclusions? So that was the journey I set out to write this book. And and I end up writing a book where I don't really talk about what I believe, I really try to get at the underlying assumptions behind, you know, is this technology going to take all our jobs or not? Well, if you believe it is, what are the assumptions that undergird that? And so I kind of wanted to write a book that, that just broke all this down uh, for people.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, what I do really like about your book, aside from all the context and all the background that allows us to really give perspective to this discussion, because you're right, it is very heated, you know, it's like the end of the world, Uh, dystopians, or it's like, yeah, everything's going to be great, you know, a little bit of a hippie utopia, and you say we need a different word for that. But what you do really well is you break it down into, is it what you know or what you believe? And it turns out to be a set of beliefs, does it not? Is that what you're putting forth here, that really where you are in the discussion depends on what you believe?
2: Correct. I would say that's very true. The the underlying assumption, you know, there are two different things people mean when they say artificial intelligence and one of them is what you see in the movies you know that's commander data that's uh, c3po that's a robot that can that is smart and creative like a person and that's a technology nobody knows how to build there would be universal ag- agreement with that but in the tech world most people believe we will build it and so you say well if nobody knows how to do it why are they so confident it will happen and it's because of a basic assumption that people are machines. Um, mm-hmm. And if people are machines, then someday we'll build a mechanical person. And then two years later, that will be twice as smart and twice as smart and twice as smart. If people aren't machines, then what a person does, a, a computer can never do what a person does because people aren't machines. And I, I host a podcast about artificial intelligence, and I ask um my guests, virtually every one of them, do you believe people are machines? And overwhelmingly, like 95 out of 100 say, of course, what else would we be? But yeah. when I put that same question to audiences when I'm speaking, only about 15% of people believe that. And I think that's a, a real disconnect uh, between kind of a, a Silicon Valley engineering reductionist mindset and and one that, that has kind of a different view of what people
3: are.
0: So I'm going to I'm gonna go for it here, Byron. I'm going to ask you, um, human or machine, we're, we're at which camp? You didn't tell us in the book, but I get the feeling through all the optimism that you're at least very optimistic about how we can be augmented, helped, or assisted by AI. Uh, are we machines in your view?
2: Well, um, I, I would say it this way. Um, we have these brains that we don't understand. Uh, We don't know how a thought is encoded. We don't know how you recall things the way you do. Um, And we don't just not understand the brain because it's got 100 billion neurons. There's this worm called a nematode worm, and uh, they only had 302 neurons in their quote unquote brain. And there's a group called the Open Worm Project that has spent 20 years trying to model those 302 neurons in a computer to make a a digital nematode worm that behaves like a nematode worm. And not only have they not been able to do it, but there's not even agreement that it is possible. So I think that's interesting. But then it it doesn't just stop there. You also have a mind. And a mind is kind of everything the brain does that doesn't seem to be something an organ should be able to do. Like you have a sense of humor, but Your heart doesn't have a sense of humor. Your stomach doesn't have a sense of humor. Why is that? Like, where does that come from? And then finally, most interestingly, uh, we have consciousness. And consciousness, people say we don't know what it is, and that's not quite right. We know exactly what it is. Nobody can explain how it is that it happens. What it is, is the experience of being you. You can feel warmth, but a computer can only measure temperature. And that difference is is what um we call consciousness and we don't understand it so to me we have these brains we don't understand that give rise to these minds we don't understand which somehow create consciousness which we don't even know how to pose the question of consciousness scientifically and yet people believe oh but we're going to make it we're going to build that yep we're going to build it and i i don't I'm unconvinced. So that's my short answer, long answer to mm-hmm. your very short question. I'm unconvinced that we are machines. I don't think the case uh, has been made. And I find it to be very telling that we know so little about what makes us intelligent. Um, we know so little about it. So I have no reason to believe we can ever build intelligent machines. But that's an opinion. The book I wrote is about kind of just dissecting that 12 different ways and because in the end I think everybody listening to me probably already has an opinion about whether they're a machine or not they don't really need my opinion uh, but I just kind of wanted to walk people through the implications of that belief
0: I mean you look at it from such a high level I would be interested I'm just curious myself you know how did we just get to and stay with such a dystopian skynet end of the world is coming. When you show in your book the many ways how, you know, AI, um, machine learning, mixed with robotics, it can it can create also a better world. And we'll, of course, be exploring that in the second half of the show. But just a, a question to get us to break. I mean, do you wonder, like, what happened? It seems, it seems like more than a disconnect. It seems like we're almost uh, determined to see the downside.
2: Well, you know, I agree with that. But I believe it's a habit that we've come by honestly in that this, this isn't my analogy. Somebody else said it, but somebody said that our distant ancestors, it was far better for them to see a rock and to think it was a bear and run away than to see a bear and say, ah, it's just a rock and stay (laughs) put. So we're timid, frightened creatures who got to where we were by having a bias towards oh my gosh it's a it's a bear run run and that's what got us to where we are so I think we're predisposed to looking at the worst that can happen and I just think it served us well uh, but to your point you're right you know for 10,000 years we've had kind of non-stop progress by virtually any measure anywhere in the world and yet surprisingly out of the blue everybody's like yep yeah, but but it's over now you know that was a good run but now it's all yeah. about to go to hell in a handbasket
0: exactly the end of the world as we know it so on that note byron we do have to go to break i am excited to get back to this conversation so listeners don't go away we will be right back and maybe even faster than usual so we can get back to this byron what do you think (laughs) all
1: righty let's do it mobile presence sponsored by clever tap a leading engagement and retention platform will be back after this message That's podcast.wmr.fm. LPO, landing page optimization, where we make marketers great using design, data, psychology and attitude. Join our host, Brian Massey, best known as the conversion scientist, as he sits down with leading marketers to help you create campaigns that deliver. LPO, only on webmasterradio.fm.
3: It passes before it's noticed, a slight rising of the eyebrows, a widening of the eyes. It may be accompanied by an almost imperceptible inhalation. The heart adds a beat like a quiet exclamation point on the experience within a tenth of a second the reaction has passed but not without leaving its mark someone found what they're looking for does your website deliver impulses to act it can intended consequences is the podcast for digital marketers who see their job as changing hearts and minds if you're frustrated bored or in a rut It's time to spread your wings with me, Brian Massey, and my guests. Find out how successful, curious, creative, and data-driven marketers are making a difference on purpose. Visit intendedpodcast.com or find us where you get your podcasts. Intended Consequences, Marketing on Purpose.
1: Welcome back to Mobile Presence on WMR.FM. Here's your host... Peggy Ann Saltz.
0: And we're back to Mobile Presence. I'm your host, Peggy Ann Saltz. We have today, I Am Ecstatic, Byron Reese, enjoying it, discussing your book, The Fourth Age, Byron. And right before the break, we were talking about, you know, the values, the, the beliefs, rather, the belief set that sort of puts us in one camp or another. But um, also as background for our audience, I'd like to understand The Fourth Age as a title, because in this book, it's beautifully written, I have to say, historical context bringing us through the ages but in a nutshell bring me up to where we are in the fourth age you know there was one two three and four we'll talk about five but help me understand that continuum
2: so it's a little arbitrary but the 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 reasoning was that you know technology's kind of always been with us and it's always been expanding and um Sometimes, though, a technology comes along that's so profound, it just really changes everything forever. And so, by my reckoning, the first of these was when we acquired speech, which allowed us to coordinate our actions. The second is when we got agriculture, but not agriculture itself. We got agriculture and that gave us the city because we settled down. The city gave us the division of labor and that gave us prosperity. So, I think that was the second one. It's how how we have extra stuff is because of, of that. And the third one was two technologies that came along at the same time, writing and the wheel. And those two technologies gave us everything we had to make, have nations. And that's why 5,000 years ago, all over the world, these empires just emerged because the technology was there. And I posit that artificial intelligence and robotics, uh, two technologies that allow people to first outsource what their brains do and then outsource what their bodies do, uh, that that is the kind of like, change everything kind of technology.
0: And I'll, I'll, I'll go along with this because that's exactly it. Next question is, you know, how do they change us? Now that's the whole book. We could, we could do a show just on that question. But you know, you do make the point several times that it will help us be more human. It will help us do things, not in like an augmented bionic th- way, right? But I think in a way that um, allows us to do what we do best as humans.
4: Hear that?
0: Characteristic of humanness, perhaps. W- what is the what is driving you? What how why do you envision it like this?
2: You know, we are where we are on this planet because we're the smartest things on it. That's why we are at the top of the the proverbial food chain. And all of a sudden, we get this technology that makes us smarter. It would be akin to, I mean, if you hold an AI-enabled device in your hand, you're all of a sudden as smart as that device effectively and that would be a to us all going to bed at night and waking up with another 20 iq points each like that would be really good for the human race if you don't think that then you kind of have to argue it would be better if we went to bed at night and we all woke up with 20 fewer iq points and that's a hard case to make and so that's kind of why i think it's profound and big is it just makes us collectively more more smart and even more interesting is it's like we have learned very slowly like we almost we almost go through our lives um living on anecdotal stories and rules of thumb and our our, our descendants are going to think we kind of staggered through life like drunken sailors on shore leave that we just sort of (laughs) you know wing it we eat it whatever restaurant catches our eye or we get whatever job or whatever but but with with artificial intelligence you all of a sudden get permanent and growing memory of the planet, a collective memory of the planet that we get to mine for knowledge and insights. And, and it will make us all that much smarter. And I think that is just a wonderful, wonderful thing.
0: Well, I have to say I'm a bit of a proponent of this. I am on your side because when I'm talking to mobile marketers, bringing us back to mobile presence, it's a little bit more about mobile and marketing and presence and personalization and engagement and all that good stuff. Um, You know, that is where I say the future marketer, will be able to focus on what marketing was leave the performance marketing the numbers crunching to the ai the algorithms what have you but that's not a great future people don't don't see it as optimistically as i do i'm like well you won't have the drudge work They're like no we won't have jobs either so um let, let's address that discussion you know will we be replaced the fear of being replaced you're an optimist you see the upside of this but what do you say to those uh marketers who say hey this is not going to be a helpful tool or a helpful partner in my work?
2: Well, I would disagree. I mean, if you went back to 1995, when the Mosaic browser was released, and I, you know, and, and you showed somebody the, the browser, and you said, hey, in just 25 years, billions of people are going to use this, what, what will effect will it have on jobs? An insightful person would say, well, I bet That uh, the travel agents are going to be out of work and the stockbrokers, And I bet the yellow pages are going to be out of work. And um, the newspapers are going to have a hard time. And people will send less letters because they have email. And you would have been right about everything, every single thing you would have been right. But what you would have never said is, oh, there's going to be Etsy and eBay, Airbnb, Uber, Amazon and Google, and a million new companies that made $25 trillion in wealth. So that's kind of the The problem is that it's very easy to see what the technology will take away, what jobs it will automate away. But none of us have the creativity to imagine all that it's about to enable. Any more than any of us could have seen Uber in 1995. Like, you just can't. It's just a limit of imagination. You just can't. And so I would start by saying that. And then I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out what the half-life of a job is. And I think it's 50 years. I think every 50 years we lose half of all the jobs. And yet Mm -hmm. for the most part, this country has stayed at full employment. And you say, well, how can that be? How is it that every 50 years we lose half the jobs, but we don't have unemployment. And what happens is this, and, you know, imagine there's a bunch of jobs from high pay, high skill jobs, like a geneticist. And low pay, low skill job, like an order taker at fast food. And what people say is technology is really good at making these new high end jobs like the geneticist. But it destroys these jobs at the bottom. And then everybody says the same thing. They say, do you really think that person who lost their job has the skills to be a geneticist? Do, Do the people who are being displaced have the skills for the jobs of tomorrow? And. The answer is no, that isn't how it works. What happens is a college biology professor gets the geneticist job. Then a high school biology teacher gets the college job. Then a substitute Mm -hmm. teacher gets hired on full-time at the school all the way down the line. The question isn't, can people who are displaced by technology do these, you know, learn to code or whatever. The question is, can everybody do a job a little bit harder than the job they have today? And I believe the answer to that is yes. And so anybody out there who believes you know, my job is at risk, um, what will happen is parts of that job will be automated and that new opportunities will arise and you will use the skills you largely have to apply the new technology to your job. And, And I believe very deeply that any job that a machine can do, if you make a person do that job, the word for that is dehumanizing. If a machine can do a job, then to make a person do that is to say to the person, hey, um, I don't want you to be a human. I just need you to be like a machine and do this machine thing, but we don't have the machine. So I just need you to act like a machine. And and I don't think that's good work for people.
0: No, it's certainly also not satisfactory. I mean, you talk about the, the future of work, but there's also um, job satisfaction. And again, back to our marketers, you know, feeling that they can do their job, which was about creating tailored experiences and things we can't refuse and being actually tapping more into the human side of marketing. We do have to go to break right now, but what I'd love to do with you when we get back, Byron, is I'd like to understand a little bit more about your insights into marketing. I mean, just at a high level, uh, I would imagine you are also connecting with marketers over at your podcast as well when you're talking about the future of AI, right?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Okay, so we have tons to discuss. Listeners, don't go away. We'll be right back after the break.
1: Mobile Presence, sponsored by CleverTap, a leading engagement and retention platform, will be back after this message.
3: Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let TopSEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors.
1: welcome back to mobile presence on wmR.fm here's your host Peggy Ann salts
0: and we're back to mobile presence I'm your host Peggy Ann salts we have Byron Reese I'm having a great time Byron how are you doing we're having a good, I'm
2: having a good time too
0: I'm I this is great and I you know it's almost a shame to have to wrap it up but we will and we'll bring it back to mobile marketing we'll bring it back to marketers because hey you know the first thing to understand is, What can we do now? Because, you know, the reports are out there. I've got, you know, Forrester, I've got gum gum studies. What I'm looking at are Forrester consulting. Uh, Everyone's plowing money into it. Uh, Capgemini reporting, you know, the most employees or people in marketing are concerned about the uh, fact that they don't understand how to use AI. But that doesn't stop them from investing in it. So let's look at what you can do now. And maybe it's as simple as just learning about what AI is really and understanding that.
2: Yeah, it's unfortunately an overused term because it doesn't really have a definition that everybody agrees on. And so you can kind of say anything is that. Um, But put simply, normally people either mean it to, mean something that responds to its environment or something that learns as it is used. I I think the the place to begin is to understand what the limits of it are. and, And they're kind of, three things it can do. It can do jobs, generally speaking, that two people would do exactly the same. If two people would do it exactly the same, like a data entry or something like that, then, you know, generating reports and and those sorts of things, we can probably automate it. Also, anything that um, is the same from day to day, where two days are exactly the same, you come in and run the same thing every day. And the third one is cognitive tasks that require less than one second to do. So if something requires a human more than a second to think about, we probably can't automate it. But if it's less than a second, then you can probably automate it. And
0: I was going to say a lot of people go into this for where I'm hearing it right now is bidding. Okay. Automate your bidding. Um, Also, try to figure out your own approach because of course all the ad networks have their AI, their algorithms. So it's just like trying to get up one, a little, little head up, you know, step up on that.
2: Correct. And most people are going to use AI enabled tools more than, you know, developing something proprietary within their organization for the most part Um, because there, there are, it's easier to do things than ever because toolkits are, are getting better. But for the most part, people are going to buy or use software packages that are AI enabled, that are driven by data that somehow learn as, as they go along. Um, and so I, I, I would look around um, an organization for things that look like you could apply data to them. You know, AI is good at games. We you know, you always read the headlines when it, you know, beats a great chess player or wins at Jeopardy or whatever. And the reason they're good, at, it's good at games is because games have uh, winners and losers uh, have points and penalties and a combined set of rules. And the good news is much of what marketing people do looks like a game. Like, like you just said, optimizing uh, mm-hmm. bids or uh, optimizing a website to, to maximize conversions. Like, you can understand what winning looks like. And, and so the whole area is built, all of marketing looks like a big game to AI. And so it, it's like looking around at things you do and imagining how would I gamify that? You can probably find a tool that does that already.
0: Well, I would love to continue this. We might even chat about some of those tools, some of those things. But hey, Byron, it ran away. Time ran away with us. But you will be back, I promise, listeners, because I'm enjoying this way too much to stop the party now. But in the meantime, Byron, how can people get in touch with you? I mean, you've got your podcast, you've, you're over at GigaOM, which is full disclosure, where I used to do some work a while back as a researcher. Um, and of course your books on Amazon. So lots of places to keep up with you. What's the best way?
2: Oh, uh, just type my name in your search engine of choice. And I'm, I'm, I'm Byron Reese at Twitter and I'm Byron Reese okay. everywhere. So um, I'm, I'm the easiest person to find. And,
0: and your podcast, what, what is that? And when is that? Where can we hear that?
2: It's called Voices in AI. It's um, cool. It's a, A contemplative reflection about the technology where I I really am trying to capture the the moment and what people think right now about this technology, because I think that will be very interesting in years to come, what what we got right and what, what we got wrong.
0: And that, my friends, is a wrap of yet another episode of Mobile Presence. You can check out this and all early episodes of the show by going to WMR.fm or you can find our shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio simply by searching Mobile Presence. So until next time, remember, every minute is mobile, so every minute counts. We'll see you soon.
4: The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited.
3: Hear that? That's the sound of someone trying to steal your crypto. Every day, thousands of hackers online are doing the same. That's why Arculus uses air-gapped cold storage technology to protect your assets. Using our keycard and wallet app to form a protective barrier, Arculus insulates you from hackers and puts control of your digital assets back in your hands. Order the first truly air-gapped crypto wallet at GetArculus.com.